Hey there, and welcome to episode number 53 of the Food as Medicine show with Dr. Ann, the place to be for real talk with real people and real results, so you can heal yourself naturally. I'm your host, Dr. Ann, and I'm a board-certified pharmacist and health coach specializing in treating cholesterol without medications. You can learn more about me at drann.com, spelled A-N-H as in healthy. Now, I hope you're having a fantastic November so far. For me, it's been really great to be home in New Jersey and be close to my friends and family. And in fact, one of my really good girlfriends uh, who I've known for over 12 years now is getting married this Friday in Pennsylvania, and I'm so excited for her. You know, I'll get to see my other girlfriends. We've all been, this group of six of us have been really good friends since college. And um, she has known, Jess has known her fiance for over 10 years, and all of us have, (laughs) we've been one when they would eventually tie the knot. So this year is the year. And, you know, my parents and I were also getting ready to visit my brother and his wife in Charlotte, North Carolina for Thanksgiving. And um, if if you've been following the podcast, you know that um, since, you know, since May, things have been crazy whirlwind because they got married and, you know, then they got new jobs, then they sold their house and all in a span of five months, you know, they moved from Iowa to North Carolina. Um, so it's been a really crazy year for them. So it's been, it's going to be nice to see them for Thanksgiving in their new home. And hopefully it'll be, you know, the start of a much more low key year for them. But I'm not quite sure for me because, you know, I'm planning my travels for Africa and also Asia, um, Southeast Asia in the coming months. So more on that in future podcasts. But speaking of Thanksgiving, my friend Magdalena, who teaches women how to balance their hormones naturally using food as medicine, is uh, putting together this really great recipe roundup of delicious foods that are gluten, dairy, corn, and soy free. And these will make great additions to your Thanksgiving menu. So make sure you hop on the email list at drann.com because I'll be sharing her blog post in an upcoming love letter. Now, before we get to the episode, I want to let you know that the opinions expressed on this show may not represent my opinions, and the show is for general information only, not a substitute for medical care. So prior to beginning any new health program, I recommend that you consult with a qualified health professional. In today's episode, I chat with Dr. Grace Liu, who is a pharmacist and a functional medicine practitioner. She has expertise in the fields of pharmacy, nutrition, and optimal health, and her training includes plant biology, nutritional science, food science, pharmacy, and CrossFit nutrition. So in today's show, Dr. Grace and I talk about why gut health is so important, what organisms a healthy human microbiome should contain, ways to weed out the bad bacteria and microbes from your gut, the seven steps to healing the gut and curing SIBO or small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, her favorite probiotics, the missing link if you're doing everything right to fix your gut and you're still not improving, and more. All right, let's go chat with Dr. Grace. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Food as Medicine show with Dr. Ann, the place to be for real talk with real people and real results. And today, I'm so excited to um, be sharing with you someone I met um, at Paleo FX 2015 in Austin. And actually, I was I was so sick that I, I wanted to talk to her, but I felt like I would be like spitting my germs all over her. So I didn't even like, you know, approach and introduce myself. But afterwards, I followed up via email and she's awesome. And her name is Grace Liu and she's a pharmacist. She's also the gut goddess and um, she is an expert in gut health, also the adrenals. And she's here to talk to us about um, her journey and also her seven steps for healing SIBO. So welcome, Grace, to the show. 
Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Ann. It's been a pleasure getting to know you. You know, as you know, it's so lonely actually being one of the few pharmacists in the functional medicine field, but I'm so glad to see like so many more are starting to flock to functional medicine. And uh, I think we're going to make a big difference. Yeah, you know, and I, I love I love what you're doing. And I remember seeing um, the guest speakers on the list at Paleo FX. I remember seeing your picture and it said you were a farm dean. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to meet her. I have to go to her talk. And um, it's just, it's very exciting for me to see, you know, pharmacists like ourselves, you know, being out there in functional medicine and just doing something different than the traditional route, which um, actually I don't, you know, we've been chatting for, you know, on and off. And I actually really don't know your complete story story. So I thought maybe we could start with that and have you share, you know, how did you um, come from, you know, traditional pharmacy and now moving into functional medicine and, you know, having your own practice with, you know, gut patients and other patients in functional medicine? So, so I went to pharmacy school. Well, okay. So actually I got a nutritional science degree um, from University of California and I never thought I'd actually use it. It was just like to get all my prereqs out of the way. Um, And um, I took a few years off. Like I worked as a lab assistant in a plant bio lab and then I went to pharmacy school. Um, I went to UOP, University of the Pacific in Stockton in Northern Cal. And it was a really great program. And then I did a one-year residency um, at San Diego VA, um, a pharmacy practice residency, which gave me so much, you know, in terms of the clinical background and mm-hmm. management and seeing, you know, all the things, you know, that, you know, really cool progressive pharmacists can do. So I think I was kind of geared toward functional medicine. And then I worked for like um, over 13 years in traditional medicine. But um, at one point I got sick. Um, pharmaceuticals made me really, really ill. Uh, one was like a, a Mirena IUD. I had no idea synthetic um, uh, hormones were so bad, you know, for the human body. Um, I, I got very ill and um, had edema, you know, different heart symptoms and fatigue. But I got over it and uh, discovered paleo and CrossFit and Rob Wolf. Um, I really owe him a ton. <laughs> So it's so funny. He was at Paleo Effects, but he was always swamped. And I, you know, we, we kind of were, you know, ch- chatting, but I didn't get a chance to see him. And he's like, Grace, I got so mad. I didn't know you were there. And I'm like, just <laughs> <laughs> everybody out of the way. <laughs> um, it was so great to be at Paleo Effects and see everyone there. I had just moved back from China. So what kind of forced me to kind of shift was, you know, I was really kind of on my way to functional medicine. I'd done a lot of training. Designs for Health um, is really awesome. They had a lot of seminars, and um, I had mentors there, and they kind of pulled me in um, because I had um, two blogs, and, you know, we met through the blogs, actually, um, because one of – my blog was probably one of the few that were, like, science-based. You know, I I went through a lot of clinical trials, human RCTs on cholesterol, on diet, on all kinds of things, and vitamin D – and at the time, you know, that was really cutting edge back in 2008. <laughs> so I got really lucky and I met um, a lot of mentors. Um, but in China, um, I just took a break. Um, I actually was really kind of ill. I was like, after some antibiotics and a titanium di- uh, dental implant, I, I actually developed chronic fatigue. And it took like two years almost um, and over to get over it. And that's when I really started looking at gut health. Um, I had um, con been in the care of some of the best, you know, treatment people um, in the U.S. before I'd left, but we didn't make a lot of headway. And then when I was in China, um, I was really lucky and was able to find um, different protocols that helped me out a lot. 
So that is actually sort of how the seven steps kind of developed and how I became much more like uh, familiar with gut health. Yeah, I remember you were telling your story about, you know, paleo helped you get better, but it was really fine tuning the gut that made a big difference for you. So I guess um, I know our audience is familiar with the guts and, and why it's so important. But like, I guess in your words, like, why do you think the gut is is so important and why you decided to specialize in the gut? Well, some, sometimes what I kind of um, tell ask people, you know, the analogy is um, how, how, how do people think when they have half their brain? Okay probably not very well, right? Yeah. So, you know, after we have antibiotics or we have a lot of stress or let's say we're formula fed or C-section, we, we basically lobotomize the gut microbiota. We, what, what studies show from Yatsuneka and all, a lot of the, um, all, the, all the studies where they compare the rural African gut microbiota compared to the Western gut microbiota is that we have lost like a third, a quarter, at least a quarter or a third of the gut diversity, the, the species as well as the diversity so it's basically like like lobotomizing a whole a whole organ because the microbiota functions as an organ. You know they do so much for us. They they train the immune system. Eighty percent of our immune system is in the gut. And when they're not there, like germ-free animals, for example, they they just don't function. They're autistic. They have repetitive behavior. They're super. Um, you know they have super Asperger's behavior, autistic behaviors. They're not social. They can't fight infections. Um, they have atrophied you know, hearts and organs and brains, no, nothing is like matured very well. And that's actually, you know, when I look at sick humans, like whether you look at autistic or ADHD or even hypertension and diabetes, this is how a lot of our organs are like. Um, and when you look at the gut microbiota, they're missing big chunks of what would be considered uh, native, you know, human microbiota. So I, you know, the gut is huge. Um, when you open up the small intestines and large intestines, it's, it's the, like the size of the tennis, a tennis court. So the surface area is way bigger than our skin. And um, the weight, like when you take all the bacteria in the gut, the 100 trillion, it, it's about the size of um, the human brain, which is two and a half pounds. Wow, that's insane. <laughs> no, no wonder it makes sense that, I mean, besides the gut-brain connection, they say like the, the gut is the second brain, right? It, it, it's like the size of a brain, so it makes perfect sense to have that analogy. So, um, okay, so you said that there's impo it's important to have diversity in species, right? So I guess a lot of people are familiar with like lactobacillus and they're familiar with bifidobacterium. Are there other species that, uh, that humans are supposed to have in our, in our gut? Absolutely. So like when they look at like undeveloped um, nations and, and civilizations that have no antibiotics, no formula, um, the bacteria in their gut, there's a, there's a core, um, you know, there's, I have an app actually with a friend, uh, Christopher Kelly from Nourish Balance Thrive. He's wonderful. He um, has a software background and he created this beautiful app and it makes a tree out of all the flora that are in the gut based on data from either American Gut or UBiome. Um, so when you plug your data in, you get this beautiful tree and you can see all the branches. Well, what that helps me to look at when I'm looking at someone's gut is it's like what branches are missing. And it's kind of like, you know, the lobes of the liver, the three lobes of the liver or, you know, four chambers of the heart. What I see is like a whole chunk will be gone. And no wonder like people will end up with different conditions like asthma or skin conditions. So at Paleo Effects, you know, I, I talked about two uh, acne cases and they all d did tremendously a whole lot better. They followed the seven steps. Some did, uh, one case did some, both did weeding, uh, but one did a little more extensive weeding. Um, and, you know, there's so many ways now and, and think, 
thanks to functional medicine, we have ways and tools to both identify the problem and then come up with solutions which get to the root problem, which is you know missing the the good flora. So some of the species, you know, you uh, you asked about the species. One is Roseburia. I call it her Queen Roseburia. She protects the inner lining of our gut. She's part of um, something known as um, Clostridium uh, 14a, and uh, she secretes a lot of butyrate, which we need to feed the colonites. Um, there's actually a couple kinds of Roseburia. That one favorite one that's found in lean people and and um, not overweight people and people who without metabolic syndrome or diabetes is called uh, Roseburia inulin burns. And we can track this on Ubio. Right now, Genova has it, but not the specific um, species of um, Roseburia. And then Roseburia hominis, on the other hand, is high in obesity or where there's too much antibiotics. And it seems to be associated with um, more inflammation and probably some permeability. Uh, and then there's other species like Fecalibacterium, uh, Presnauzi. I know these are like very long names, so I won't really dwell on them, but they're all like really healthy for us. And they um, do amazing things for the gut. They produce all kinds of nutrients. They transform raw material into vitamins and nutrients. And they, they help us to do everything we're supposed to do. So if where do we start? Like if someone is not feeling well, um, would you say like the first step is to get tested and figure out what kind of uh, organisms are living in our gut? And then we can have a, a plan as to how to um, replenish what's not there. Or I mean, where do we even begin? Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, some people just run off and, and can do the seven steps. Usually if they're semi-healthy, it's, it's going to replenish all the species that I just talked about. Uh, Roseburia, which is uh, part of um, uh, cluster 14, and then Ficali. I'm sorry, I got mixed up. Ficali is part of 14A. And they will do okay. But if someone's had a lot of antibiotics or they've had different systemic chronic conditions, um, they probably want to do further testing before they add on certain fibers because fi certain fibers will feed the pathogens and they will feed the good ones. But unfortunately, the balance is so off, it's, it's not likely that the good things will overcome in a lot of situations. So the kind of testing available is you buy them, but it's not diagnostic. Um, it tells nothing about yeast or pathogens uh, that are parasites or protozoa, like worms and helmets. So the, the better testing for those is BioHealth, like the 401H, um, or I love Genova. Genova has the 2200 stool test. They've had it for decades. They've been using um, PCR for, for just decades to assess the composition of the gut. And now starting last year, they do qPCR, which gives an accurate um, relative abundance about four, 24 different species. And in addition, they do culture. So the culture part is very important. And this is also offered by um, the CDSA with Doctors Data, as well as the CDSA with Great Plains. They, the CDSA um, cultures, and we still need to rely on old technology because in the upper gut, where a lot of the dysbiosis occurs, some people call it SIBO, um, others just call it dysbiosis. Um, to me, it's all some relative range of SIBO, actually. There are creatures growing where they don't belong in the upper gut. Um, but we don't have the best ways to diagnose it, so a lot of doctors won't call it SIBO, but in fact, it, 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 it actually is in a way. So... Um, by, by culturing, we can see the facultative anaerobes, and these are the pathogens, you know, that survive in the upper gut. But when they get to the colon, they die off. So we don't see them on Ubiome or the qPCR uh, with, with uh, even the Genova test unless they're in really high abundance. So we go like all these tests are available, and they're pretty cheap too, like $100, $200, $300 at most. 
Okay, so then you were saying the ones that um, the facultative anaerobes, right? So the ones that are in the upper gut that don't necessarily show up on a test per se. How do you know that you have those um, as a problem? Well, some people, um, a lot of these consume, they're very like generalist. They can eat almost anything, sugar starches. So a lot of people do well low carb because these will die down a little bit, but they don't go away forever. You know, as soon as they lick a strawberry or sniff, you know, sugar or or a gluten-free slice of bread, you know, they may come back. But um, we we can tell that they are there because of the cultures. The cultures actually will magnify their growth if if they're there. But for a lot of times, they may not. Um, So a lot of these, they are generalists. They can eat sugar and carbs and um, raw starches. That's why I don't recommend raw starches, which is a super feeder for it. It's it's not good for any of them. Um, But... FODMAP intolerance is a lot of is a lot of these. So a lot of people will get bloating, you know, IBS with FODMAPs. They they will have overgrowth of Citrobacter, you know, Klebsiella, and then any any other kind of ana- uh, facultative anaerobe. But some people have very mild symptoms and they don't, they don't get bloating, and they can still have these creatures. Um, and the the root problem really is um, that we're lacking the the ancestral fingerprint of good flora. We, we may be missing it from, you know, our moms may not have it, so it doesn't get transferred vertically. Um, C-section and probio- um, pro, you know, f- uh, formula without probiotics. You know, these days, um, the, probi- the, the formula for babies is fortified with probiotics, and they have lots of good fiber. And uh, when we were born, <laughs> they did it. <laughs> uh, we were, you know, I was actually formula-fed, I believe, um, in the 70s, and you know, probably had kind of a semi-compromised gut, but I did get outdoors and, you know, had a lot of soil. So it wasn't until later after I had too many antibiotics, you know, then there was like some breakdown. So every, every person is kind of different. Sure. Um, I guess a couple things before I, I I'm thinking the, the seven steps will help at least, um, troubleshoot some of those problem areas. And then once people, you know, don't feel better after implementing all the seven steps is when we look at other options. So I guess I will, I'll dive that into that later. But you said something earlier about weeding. Um, yeah. I'm not quite familiar with that. You said some people get better with weeding. So what is that exactly? Okay. So, uh, so part of the seven steps, just briefly, um, it's like, um, it's, it's like seven components of the, of the gut. But I, I, I consider it kind of like an internal garden. And when we don't have like a happy farmer taking care of the garden, this is weeds overgrow, right? Yes. They're, missing, they're missing Rosburia, Fecalibacterium, they're missing Lacto and Bifido, like you mentioned. And uh, these actually keep the weeds away. Um, and the same with our, our gut. And when, when pathogens overgrow or yeast overgrow, like after a, you know, a couple rounds of antibiotics, you know, they don't just easily go away. So it, it's helpful for a lot of people um, to consider some weeding. And what I do is like just very targeted weeding when I know what I'm dealing with or talking with someone empirically, you can kind of, you know, I have a sense now, like there's a imprint of like what, what they may be dealing with, but it definitely helps like to get like thorough testing. So we don't miss anything and waste time. You know, you can kind of be chasing something for months and months and not, if you're missing something, you know, that'll be a problem. But weeding can be like very gentle botanicals. You know, even just MCT oil, which a lot of bodybuilders like, they don't know this, but part of the mechanism is that it's antifungal mm-hmm. and it's very anti-protozoa. There was one study in cows and it lowered the protozoa content in their, in their stomachs, their multiple stomachs. But, you know, a lot of people may have a protozoa and they don't know it. And we can lower the load just with MCT oil. The fatty acids disrupt their cell membrane, 
but not ours, you know, and not the good flora. Um, and it can lower the load. And, you know, this is highly effective for some people. And same with antifungal, you know, it's mildly antifungal because it's a, a derivative of coconut oil. And so if we can lower the yeast for some people, this is enough that they would lose more weight, you know, in, in addition to the other benefits of MCT oil, which is to improve mitochondrial function and, you know, increase ketone bodies. And the, these all, you know, help to burn body fat and uh, increase carb utilization. So, okay, other weeding is like berberine, um, grape seed extract is awesome, artemisia. Recently, an Asian woman pharmacologist received the Nobel Prize for her discovery because it has anti-malarial benefits, right? Yeah. So, artemisia is old, but I don't use it a lot because you have to monitor the liver, you know, and there's, you know, a little bit of toxicity. But there, there are many in the arsenal that we can we can use essential oils. You know, to, I use a lot of thyme oil, oregano oil. I don't use oregano oil alone often because it's just so harsh on the gut lining. It's already eroded and kind of damaged already. Um, but it's great, like in the candibactin AR uh, combination. Um, I use a lot of fatty acids because it's very gentle, very natural, and it won't erode the gut lining as much. And I do a lot of buildup of the gut lining. You know, a lot of... Um, you know, a lot of our ancestral foods like okra, konjac root, these are all slimy, you know, these are mucilages and they coat the gut. So, you know, high dose aloe, aloe vera is helpful. I, I love designs for health. They're aloe 200 times. It's like super amplified aloe. And uh, you have to be careful with aloe because it has some toxins in it, but theirs is toxin free and, you know, you can use two to four a day and it really helps, you know, coat the gut lining so it can rebuild. Cause it's like a wound, you know, what I, what I like in the gut too is we don't have a lot of sensors there sometimes and people don't know they have this like big gaping, you know, scratch all over their gut lining because things are broken down. There's a whole bunch of yeast, a whole bunch of pathogens, E. coli and strep. And, you know, just like a wound on your arm or leg, you know, you want to, you want, you want to protect it and then you want to, you know, baby it and then you want it to heal. And, um, Fortunately for us now, we also have a lot of probiotics, and probiotics institute healing. That's their job. And there's wonderful like probiotics even for our skin, um, which do many changes, and we're still learning more. But mother dirt is a really wonderful one. People can spray all over. It really, you know, for me, I have like nuclear smell, and <laughs> it lowers like body odor. But I've heard great stories like people, their mood feels better. They have better nitric oxide. You know, they have better like um, oxygenation. Um, there are many other stories like better uh, sleep. Better, you know, lower cravings, all kinds of, you know, crazy improvements. But we, we have many uh, tools in the arsenal um, to heal the gut lining, you know, no matter how debrided the gut is or, you know, sometimes people on their diet, they will have to temporarily go lower carb. That helps. Um, sometimes, you know, one or two meals a day, maybe a protein shake that, that gives a break, you know, for the gut. And it's only temporary and then they can, you know, my, my goal is to get the, the, the diet diversified as quick as possible. Sure. That makes sense. Oh, I guess I just had never heard of it being called weeding, but I like the analogy. It's it's very easy to understand. So, um, okay. Well, then um, we talked about the app and, you know, and giving us an idea of what your tree looks like in terms of your gut microbiome. Um, so then we, we briefly touched on dietary things, but maybe this would be a good uh, time to dive into the seven steps and what are some changes that people can make um, so then they can start feeling better, you know, repopulating their gut and then um, moving on to advanced strategies if they don't feel any, feel better after the seven steps. Okay. So some of my steps have kind of evolved a little bit, one of them, but um, so I, you know, what I found is that almost in general, like 
probably only half of the people will get immediate results like without weeding on the sub step. So now I've kind of changed. One of the steps is actually weeding. Like, almost everybody requires a, a little bit of weeding and you, hopefully it's very gentle and it won't erode, you know, the good floor. We don't want to lower them too much, but usually, you know, after the seven steps, people can grow things on their Ubiome phylogenic tree or on their Genova, you know, QPCR, the 24 species. We can repopulate, replenish all the good ones within a month or two. It's really not that hard at all. People can double their Roseburia or triple their Fecalibacterium. These are all the good flora known to be beneficial and not hard at all to increase. And same with Bifidobacteria longum. So the seven steps in general, the first one is hormones and digestion. So I kind of lumped them all together because these are all, they all need to be outsourced. So as you know, there's like digestive enzymes and acid. These are very easy to add on. I don't use any of the vegetarian tablets or, or capsules. They're all made from mold, aspergillus. And usually, you know, in general, like someone who already has candida, they're reactive already to all kinds of mold. There's cross-reactivity. So we, we avoid, I avoid all like aspergillus products if possible. So I, I use straight like pancreatic enzymes. Um, it can be four times, eight times. I don't use any of the pharmaceuticals. They have fillers, um, but it's similar to these products. And then adrenal support. Um, some women I have um, are perimenopausal and, you know, um, they benefit from um, some, you know, looking at their hormones and we balance that. But adrenal support is really important. We, we just cannot heal a wound, which is like a gaping, you know, scratch um, without adequate adrenals when someone's depleted and they have cortisol dysregulation and epinephrine dysregulation. So it's also very important for bodybuilders and athletes. Uh, I can't tell you how many athletes I meet, you know, they have cold hands or they've just been under a lot of stress. And the adrenal part is key because as soon as they get that on board, like everything fixes up immediately. Yeah, well, it's really hard being a bodybuilder because you're on such a restricted diet and um, a restricted regimen and like a schedule in terms of exercise that I can understand, you know, some of them being adrenally fatigued. And of course, that's going to interfere with their progress. So that makes sense that they, you know, once fixing, once you fix that, that everything else falls into line. Yeah, absolutely. And what the athletes tell me is that, um, you know, when they're fighting, it makes a huge difference. What I noticed is that as soon as my gut healed up when I was in Shanghai, my adrenals perked up. So, you know, when we have this huge tennis court, which is a big wound, um, it, it drains on the adrenal. So if people can heal it, then it also will allow, you know, us to have an ability to cut back on the adrenal support. Uh, it just goes kind of hand in hand. Yeah, but adrenal, uh, for uh, athletes, adrenals are really important because they rely on the adrenaline all day, the pounding to, to, you know, get their O2 max and reach their goals and for the fat, you know, efficiency, you know, the burning of the fat efficiency. So that, so number one is just the hormones and digestion, the GI hormones. And then, so number two is my key one is bionic fiber. Um, you know, people have different components for, for bodybuilders um, and um, athletes. I, I really like to focus on body fat burning. So acacia and uh, arabinoglactan are key because they selectively feed uh, not pathogens, but bifido. And bifido does everything for us. It burns body fat. There's something called the bifido shunt. It helps us to metabolize and process carbs really well. So a lot of times people have fatty liver or they just can't lose fat. It's because they're missing bifido. They don't have any of the good bifido. They have instead sugar, uh, fat eating bifido, which, you know, lean people um, usually don't have, have, but uh, so in obesity trials and metabolic syndrome trials, and even IBD and IBS trials, there's more bifido adolescents. And this is not a good one um, to have in dominance. We need some, but we don't want a lot of it. 
we need belongum, bifidobacterium longum. So I have um, a probiotic now, and it's 80 billion per dose um, for bifidobacterium longum. It really helps to seed and provide all the ancestral, it's like the anchor for the whole ancestral core microbiota. And it creates like a foundation that all the others can live upon. Uh, so there, um, yeah, that's a very, very um, keystone uh, strain. And the prebiotics, I usually, you know, advise in Bionifier, they all feed bifidobacterium And then they also... Most of them target Roseburia and Fecalibacterium, the ones I mentioned earlier. So uh, the fiber is key. But for a lot of people in the beginning, when they have moderate to severe dysbiosis, they can't take a lot of fiber or FODMAPs or even food. So uh, with each client, you know, I work, I customize something. Um, and, and then we, we go from there. So the, and then the third step is probiotics. So I mentioned one, the Bifido Maximus. It's really awesome. You know, it has um, one of the highest doses available on the market. It's very gentle and super potent, kind of like mom's milk. You know, babies have no defense system, yet they don't get riddled with infection. And it's because of mom's milk. So um, probiotic selection is really important. Uh, you want good foundation with Bifido and Lacto. And then get on all the good soil probiotics. And um, if people aren't able to, um, you know, fortunately, if you they can't go to a farm, you know, or get really good organic vegetables that are that have some soil on it that have these organisms, then I recommend you know making sure you get a good soil probiotic. So my favorite one is Prescript Assist. I don't know if you've ever tried it, Anne. I haven't, but I, I remember them being at uh, Paleo FX. I'm like, oh, maybe I should add them to my arsenal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've heard amazing stories. You know, IBS and IBD improve. Uh, people, you know, lose fat faster. It, it, it's just a, a superior tool in the arsenal. And there's 29 strains. It's really diverse. Um, I had very few people have intolerance, but but some people who have really severe uh, gut dysbiosis, they don't even tolerate bifido. They get die off or, you know, achiness, die off, and other things because it's so potent. The people who have effects usually need it the most. But um, again, you know, they should work with someone closely and figure out what they may need and not need and look at the gut composition. So um, fortunately for us, you know, uh, number three, probiotics, uh, more and more we're getting better tools in that arsenal. Um, I'm going to be designing some, and um, there'll be, like, even better ones on the market, I believe. Um, so we have a huge array, and they all work, I think. Um, there are a lot that don't work. You know, some are GMO now. Some have a lot of antibiotic-resistant plasmids, which just long-term probably aren't great for us. Uh, a lot of supermarket ones don't, you know, they don't tell, you know, they don't give what they say, or there's strains in there that aren't supposed to be there, or that there are no strains there that they say that they, you know, advertise on. So there's, there's, you know, you, you want to buy from a reputable brand, pharmaceutical grade if possible, and something that works, you know. Yeah. So your favorite brand so far, you said, were the um, Prescriptacist, and then there was another one you had mentioned? Bifido oh, Maximus. Okay. Maximus is, is one that um, a company custom blend for us, and uh, it, it kind of evolved the last week or two, um, but it has, like, all the kind of – uh, strains that mom's milk would have, or um, we should be getting, you know, through transfer from mom, but we may not. Mm-hmm. So, um, I had forgot to ask earlier. So these steps, do people do them in succession? Like they finish one and then they move on to the next or they do them concurrently? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I, I, you know, I uh, don't have any formal, like I'm not really anal OCD about it. Um, there, there are a lot of steps and it's, 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 it's a lot, you know, I, I look at what someone's already doing and see what they can potentially add on. Some people add all of them and they do great. A lot of athletes love to do that, but, um, you know, the average person may not, 
do well with one and okay so the fourth step actually is diet you know and I really love you know the ancestral diet and one particular is the cook resistant starches because this is something ancestrally we've had all our lives especially Asians that live on the equator but a lot of northern Europeans or even northern Chinese they don't do well with a lot of starches so you have to look at your ancestry some people do well you know at 20-30% starches others cannot at all especially the northern, I believe, or maybe severe dysbiotic people. So then they have to taper to what maybe works best for their goals and their ancestry. So it might be like 5, 10, 15%. So some of the cook-resistant starch um, sources are lentils, beans. You know, Asian people love like red, green, you know, azuki beans. And then rice. I mean, just rice and rice noodles are awesome. Um, when there's lime and we have good, perfect, acidic um, guts, you know, this starch actually is totally resistant. We don't get a lot of carbs from it. Um, I noticed when I'm doing really well, I eat all kinds of starches and I'm still starving, you know, and I'm, my body needs like for, for workouts and stuff, you know, I, it's not enough because these are, they end up being fiber for the colon and not energy for us. So, uh, and that's what a lot of studies are, are, are uh, showing. But, you know, for people who are from the South American, you know, their ancestry would dictate that, you know, rice and beans is more their um, source and tubers, you know, cassava, tar taro, you know, depending on what part of the equator and the earth. Um, but diet, you know, we want rainbow vegetables, you know, all the different stems and greens and leaves and seeds, um, all different colors help feed the gut. And we don't want to, you know, once the gut is healthy enough, we, we, we want to feed it well. Perhaps ancestrally, a lot of researchers would say humans definitely had 50 to 100 grams of fiber alone every day. Um, and we are far below that. The average person only gets like 5 to 10 grams. Um, it's only a fraction. So it's no wonder, you know, a lot of gut microbiota is just starving and they can't do what they're supposed to do. It's like a car. If you only filled your car like a quarter of a tank every day, like where would you go? You can't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then are you saying like someone who has, say, like an Asian ancestry or South American ancestry, the people who natively were by the equator, they tend to do better on resistant starches and um, uh, more carbs in their diet than others of like a European an ancestry? Is that what you were saying? I, I, I think so. I mean, we don't have any of the comp, you know, good composition. We don't, I don't, I can't say that for sure, but even Northern, they had buckwheat, you know, in, in Russia, buckwheat was really common. A lot of farmers ate it and they had huge, they had really healthy guts, really robust health. So I, I think ancestry makes a big, 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 big deal. And we don't know yet the food components, the lectins they were exposed to what's optimal. Um, but we're, we're kind of getting, I think we're going to get there. Like there'll be more evidence um, to support that later. But yeah, absolutely. Well, so I've always wondered about this. So like for me, that's easy because I, you know, I have a Vietnamese ancestry and I'm 100% as far as I know, Vietnamese. Yeah. But what about people who are like 5% this and 10% this and, you know, and so they're all kind of like a melting pot. Where do you know, how do genetics play into, into their, um, into their gut and what foods are better for them? I, you know, um, I have no idea. I, I think it'll be very exciting later to find the optimality, you know? Mm. Um, I mean, for us, like one day we eat Mexican, one day we eat Vietnamese, one day we eat like Italian, you know, one day. We eat <laughs> so I then mean, you have your bases covered. I know. <laughs> But I do know I feel better like Chinese Chinese when I eat more Chinese, mm. but also, I mean, other days it's fine, you know, but, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think it will, 
yield a lot of exciting answers later. And for people like athletes and bodybuilders like you, you know, knowing it will help because, you know, it, it can promote like faster goal achievement, you know, when you know it and get dialed in. But um, I don't know. And maybe we have all a bit of every, every, you know, little bits of ancestry all over. I know when I did 23andMe, I have like zero European ancestry. <laughs> Shocking. No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it makes sense because I, I feel great on Asian diet, like anything, Korean, Vietnamese, anything, Thai. So like pro- probably that makes sense. It syncs up with me, like, you know, on that level. And I've tried, you know, different things. Um, and I love paleo, but we would probably, I mean, I would say we do the Asian paleo, which is as unrefined, you know, but, you know, brown rice and, you know, kind of Asian farm food, um, some you know, different potatoes and taro and, you know, uh, a lot of yams. You know, my parents hate yams because they ate it all growing up because, <laughs> you know, but it's actually really good. I love it, you know, and they're great roasted or boiled, you know, whatever, but, you know, yeah, it's funny you were mentioning the slimy foods because I was just thinking like the other day we had like slimy potato soup. I don't know if you ever had that, but it's like this potato and when you scrape it, it's like got this slimy texture. And like yeah. I hesitate to tell people about it because it sounds gross. But I was like, this it was quite delicious. And I'm like, oh, I'm feeding my microbes. <laughs> yeah, they love that mucusy stuff. Yeah, yeah. And you want that mucusy stuff because when, when we get ill uh, – you know, we get histamine response and then we hyper secrete mucus and then we get too much of the good stuff. So a lot of guts I see, oh, okay, I love acromantia. Okay, it's a mucin degraded like bifidolongum, but they have way high amounts, but there's no bifido. So you, you, they can't be unbalanced because that's a sign that, okay, they're hyper secreting mucus like in a lot of IBD or pre-colitis cases and they have way high acromantia, but it's not a good thing. And as soon as they eat normal or they do a little weeding, then everything kind of normals out actually. Yeah, but all cultures I found have some kind of mucusy kind of root they eat, whether it's or plant like okra. You know, if you take a certain certain green vegetables, they're a little mucusy. I don't know if you've noticed that. Uh, I forgot which ones, but um, there are different ones. You know, when you cut like even zucchini, like I peel, you know, you peel them and they're kind of mucusy. Mm-hmm. These are all wonderful, like different um, food for the gut. Or like cucumbers, when you cut the ends and like the little mucus yeah. comes out. And then like daisies, you know, like when we eat dandelion or the leaves, the leaves are really super slimy, but the gut loves it. Yeah. And even cactus. I mean, I, we, you know, Asians probably didn't live near um, a lot of deserts, but, you know, cactus are full of really great inulin and, and fructans that are super foods for all the good flora. Mm-hmm. We don't want to ignore those. Yeah. So when you say bionic fiber, is that a different fiber than um, like, you know, the insoluble and soluble fibers or, I mean, cause you said no, that's a key. It's just a very generic term. So it's like all fiber. And then um, on my website, you know, I list uh, the ones that are sold in my store, you know, um, because these are commercial and they're really easy to blend. And, you know, if, if the modern diet only provides 10, 20 grams, like even me, like on a good day, I'm eating lots of vegetables and fiber. And, and beans and lentils or whatever, but I only get in like still only 30, 35 grams a day. So it helps to amp up. I, I found for me, like I have like no health issues with like when I'm over 40, 50 grams a day. How do you like, get that in? So it's really hard. <laughs> okay. You know, but if I do like two um, fiber shakes or fiber drinks, um, then I'm good. I'm good to go. Like it's easy to get over 50. 
and I even crave this, like my body like kind of likes it. it, doesn't feel right at the end of the day if I don't have it. Um, so, you know, I kind of like the bitterness of the acacia, you know, and I love like a little psyllium. People with prevotella overgrowth, they, they don't really want to do like um, psyllium because it's a seed and, you know, it's, a, <clears throat> it's something that will be triggered um, by prevotella. Uh, with pubertella overgrowth, but um, psyllium is like awesome. You get this mix of all the mucusy. You, you can't let it sit li- really long because it gets all mucusy, like a pudding. Um, but you know, you get insoluble as well as the mucusy kind of soluble fibers, which is just awesome. Um, but there, there are many other ones. Arabinogalactan is like really awesome. It's a little expensive, uh, but it super selectively feeds bifidobacterium longum. So everybody does well on it, and I highly, highly recommend that. And there are many versions out there, um, and I have a great one on my website that I like. Um, there's and there's many others. You know, um, there are some fabricated ones, which you know I think in this day and age it's not bad to use them because they super, you know. Um, they super improve uh, things faster for people. Uh, one's called Fibrosol 2. It was used by Zhao Ping, who's a researcher out in Shanghai, China, and he did a lot of studies. You know, this fiber improves metabolic syndrome. It improves insulin sensitivity, uh, improves all of our gut enteric hormones like uh, GLP-2, and it helps burn body fat. But for some people, um, this fiber, if they have like citrobacter growing in the gut, it will feed it because it's a FODMAP. And then they don't, you know, you don't want that. So these are people who get bloated on a fiber and they really shouldn't be on it until they kind of do a little bit of weeding and get more bifido and good lacto on. Yeah. And I'm very ambivalent about lacto because in obese subjects and IBS IBD, they have too much lacto. And there's like two, you know, in every family of bacteria, when you look at the tree, there's like a good and bad version. you know there's like one kid bad and one kid good (laughs) there's like one kid who's really snotty and lies and yeah you really you know can't rely on that (laughs) uh, you kind of want like good and bad but you know that's just how it ends up right yeah so um yeah, in every family, so like Latin bifido, I told you, like adolescence is not good. You know, you don't need, you don't want, you need it in the balance. Like every family, you need it in the balance. It's very important. You don't want overabundance of it. Um, and then you don't want too much of the histamine producing lacto. So the probiotic I have, it's called Bifidobact- Bifidobactmaximus. It's all histamine free uh, lactobacilli. Um, in these conditions, they have more of the strains that are histamine producing. And we already have too much of the bad ones after antibiotics. You have high E. coli, high strep, enterobacter, Klebsiella. These are all histamine producing. They also make TMAO. Have you heard of TMAO? <laughs> they harden our arteries and cause Alzheimer's and cause heart disease. And so our bacteria, um, they can be, you know, when we have overabundance of too many bad things, they create all these toxic things that pollute our body, kind of like the carburetor being broken in our body. And there's not a way to filter and clean them out. But we have a lot of good ones. They, they help take care of them. They, they minimize their population as well as de- detox what they do secrete out. Yeah, so fortunately, there's a lot of tools for that. Yeah. Great. And then, so it was like to go on through the steps. So number five is exercise, as you're a big fan of exercise. So I am. The, yeah. Now, so, the, oh, go ahead. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you dive into it first. <laughs> well, as we pump muscles, you know, we're improving our mitochondria and the muscles, um, all the mitochondria and the muscle cells. And our, our, our bacteria are just like mitochondria. So what, whatever we do for our muscles helps them usually. Hmm, that makes sense. Okay. Um, now, are you a fan of... Um, strength training, um, of aerobic exercise, a mix of both, you know, what are your thoughts on, is it, is it just movement in general? 
Um, well, ancestrally, probably, um, you know, our ancestors did a mix, you know, um, and for sure they had plenty of cardio carrying water or kids or, you know, food around and foraging or hunting. I, I, I think every person has like different goals, you know, um, I personally love uh, Muay Thai and some, you know, we do conditioning, which is kind of like CrossFit for the first 20, 30 minutes and torture ourselves and die, you know, but um, it's like super good for the heart and, you know, growing great muscles and stuff. I also like long distance running, you know, so I do, do kind of a mix. Um, uh, but every person's, you know, depends on what their goals are, I think. Um, so for the gut, um, anything that's too much, and if someone can't recover, you know, and they have cortisol dysregulation or norepinephrine and adrenaline dysregulations, whatever's too much is not good. Unless you're supporting the adrenals and you, know, you can handle it and recover well with, you know, plenty of, you know, downtime. Um, but um, yeah, I love exercise in all forms. Yeah. So, okay. I'm a fan of CrossFit and I'm a fan of bodybuilding as you know. And so, but recently I heard um, some differing opinions on exercise um, where when you exercise and you feel tired after you exercise, then that's a sign that you're adrenally fatigued. You know, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, I see so, I, I, you know, myself, I've had problems on and off. Um, and I had many years of it when I had the chronic fatigue. I, I definitely think people need to watch out for their adrenals. I mean, if you already have got, if someone already has got dysbiosis, that's already part of the equation. And then, you know, they go and do CrossFit every morning at 5 a.m. or like right before they go to bed or something. That, that's like the fastest way to like fry your adrenals and not have gut healing. Or you tack onto there some ketogenic diet with not adequate glycogen loading, you know, or glycogen replenishment. You know, the body can only do so much. It's a machine and in some ways. Um, so for optimal athletic, you know, op, uh, like functioning and high performance, you kind of have to look at all that. And some of my the best athletes, you know, I've had the opportunity to work with, they, they do a little bit of each, you know. Um, some, some do better with moderate carb and others, you know, are lower. But um, I would say even some of the moderate carb ones just do better. But Hmm. So, I, so yeah, so it sounds like in terms of monitoring your biometrics and how you're feeling that um, if you are in optimal performance and you're doing a really strenuous activity such as CrossFit or MMA and you feel, I mean, tired, but not like, you know, that feeling like you're going to die. Um, so, so I think what you're saying is, you know, you can, you can be tired, but if, if like you're like drained, that's the distinction. Is that right? Yeah. And I, I don't know what the best ways to measure. I mean, it would be awesome to do like a urine cortisol on everyone after a workout or, you know, see later. Some people look at heart rate variability. I'm not sure if that's always very accurate either. You know, some people who are really good athletes, they're, they're not going to see it on there. So hmm. uh, hormones tell a lot, you know, like I, I look at a lot of male hormones <laughs> and, uh, you know, I like to know like how their progesterone is, their free testosterone, SHBG and um, total testosterone, you know, if they're young and they're not hitting 800, 900 or four digit, like, you know, something's, something's a little off, you know, cause they should be, you know, they're young and there's no reason it's not. So if they're a eunuch, you know, there's a couple of reasons, gut, adrenal, whatever, mental stress, uh, toxins. So th these are all, you know, fixable. Have you, have you ever read uh, Polykin biosignature? 
You know, I'm just like beginning my functional medicine journey. So I feel like every time you ask me, I'm like, well, not yet, but okay. <laughs> I'll add it to my list. Really hot. Um, but some of my mentors in functional medicine, you know, they work with him, you know, um, he, he promotes a lot of DFH products and, um, and he has great blogs, you know, with lots of science. And I, I base a lot of my athletic stuff, like on what he has um, promoted, um, but I'm kind of probably more moderate carb because, you know, for women, like that's very important. And then I've seen for athletes, like the moderate carb, if they can handle it and their gut's okay, like that's kind of more optimal for some things. But he looks straight at like hormones and thyroid and adrenals. So he's got kind of things more tweaked and more refined. So I, I, I recommend people will look at that when they're kind of wondering and trying to look at peak, peak athletic performance. Yeah, you know, and we were talking offline about a ketogenic diet for bodybuilding, and I had seen it work in some people, and I was going to test it myself. And but what I had noticed is like I had done a ketogenic diet um, just to see actually for my um, my heart health, and while it improved my markers, like I, I felt like low blood sugars, right? And so, um, and it makes sense from what you were saying earlier. Like I think just my ancestry, like I do better on like a moderate carb, you know, higher protein and um, higher fat, but when I go too low carb, I get you know, I get really dizzy. So, um, yeah, I think it's really interesting that in terms of max performance, everyone tends to be a little bit different and, you know, based on where they're starting, where they want to go and even their ancestry, there's a lot of factors that come into play. Yeah. There's no like cookie cutter formula. And I know people want to try things like whatever they hear about on the internet, but I don't, I don't think things are always like optimal and they, and they may not know. Like from, for me, like I had to really learn how to become hyper aware about my body because I damaged it. And it was from doing endurance things while I was ketogenic. I had no idea like it was a problem. Like if someone had told me or like I had done the right biomarkers, I, I would have, you know, figured it out a little sooner. But everyone, yeah, I mean, people, some people just don't know what biomarkers to kind of look at. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then when we go ketogenic, um, we lose bifido and lacto. Mm, okay. So, yeah. Or, or you do like a certain thing with your diet, you know, you can, you can easily lose bifido lacto and then you can't digest carbs and then it just becomes this like vicious nasty cycle but i have i have a feeling um because people do bionic fiber and then they go, go ketogenic they do fine a lot of time and it's probably because they they are favoring the growth of the ones that break down carbs so when they do have their carbs later like 80 20 you know on the 20 percent, they can you know buffer up and eat carbs they're fine and i think it's because the bionic fiber keeps it all up they selectively feed lacto and bifido which you know, the good ones, bifidobacter and lom, and uh, then they have that resilience. And then if they don't have enough bifido, when they do the right probiotics, like uh, either the Clare, you know, or the Bifido Maximus, they can fill in the bifido, and then they have that resilience. And then keto is not so problematic. I've seen a lot of keto vets. They don't have bifido. So there's, and, and, and many, there are at least three or four studies, one by Walker, Walker Walker's done two of them, I think. They, they do a lower carb diet in humans and they lose 80% of the BRA, you know, and then they, you know, all the good flora kind of go away. So with, with, you know, starches, we get, we get the outer shell, right? We, you know, if it's brown rice, you're, you're missing the bran when you're no longer eating rice, or even if it's tubers, you know, you're missing the cooked resistant starch, which is awesome for some of the flora, but lentils, you know, beans for sure. We're missing a lot of really high fiber, like at that point. Hmm. Okay. 
So, okay, so we talked about food, we talked about exercise. Um, what are the other last pieces of the seven steps that you have? Yeah, the last two steps, um, one is weeding. So we kind of talked at length about that. And then the last one is just fermented foods. You know, in every like society, there's like dishes which are fermented foods or even beverages, like in Russia, kvass, and in China, you know, in Asia, like different kombuchas. And, and the fermented tofu. Oh, I know. <laughs> My mom eats that. I'm like, oh, gross. <laughs> and then, you know, the fishes are what's awesome. Mm-hmm. All the different fish sauces in, in, in uh, Vietnam. Yeah, some are more tolerable than others. I think it's just an acquired taste, you know. <laughs> yeah. And in the old you know, all the bacteria were there. And so in prescriptuses, several of the strains there are found in fish sauce, all the bacilli ones. Mm. And they make vitamin K2 for us, which strengthen our heart and bones. Uh, we, you know, we're learning how important these are. Um, we don't get them in the diet. And, you know, they come from bacteria fermentation. Mm. So I wouldn't be, yeah, I think, um, you know, we were talking about how I'm going back to Vietnam. There's one of the snacks that people like to eat, and it's like this fermented fish paste, and, uh-huh. and it's like salted, and then you eat it with like a like a raw green mango um, to kind of offset like the, the sour and the salty. Um, and I don't have it all the time, but, you know, I think about it sometimes, and I'm like, oh, you know, I do have a little craving every now and often. <laughs> yeah, you get like from the mango and then all that like yumminess. Awesome. <laughs> also in Vietnam, don't they eat like uh, fermented little half uh, uh, half ovulated baby chicks? <laughs> yes. Um, well, I guess in the Philippines they call it balutes. And um, yeah. yes, so uh, I heard the yummy. I mean, it sounds like caviar. <laughs> I know. So it's like, well, I feel like paleo is making the weird things more popular and more mainstream. And hopefully, you know, I these are the things we eat at home, but we don't really talk about. <laughs> yeah, well, also, just pho, you know, the bone broth, right? Mm-hmm. Tons of like bone broth. You know, even in a tropical city you know you get all that healthy 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 bone marrow and bone broth and all the herbs you know the star spice and ginger roasted ginger i mean those are all awesome for the gut they stimulate motility and are all mildly like antimicrobial and and, right and green onions and mint and basil like you can't i mean those are just perfect for the gut yeah, yeah. You know, and it's so funny. I've been um, kind of helping my parents eat better and, uh, you know, use food as medicine. And I, t- I, I asked my dad, I'm like, hey, what did grandma use way back when to cook her food? And he'll talk. And I'm like, okay, that's what you want to do. And then he loves that because he gets it, you know? He's like, that's what he grew up with. So it's like, it's like I don't have to teach him anything new. I just have to have him remember what he had before, you know? Um, I know. I know. <laughs> Does he remember? Like, oh, yeah. Okay. I bet it was like unconditional love and she like spoiled him. Yeah. Well, he, he was even telling me like um, back then, like fish sauce was in these like clay pots or something. Um, yeah. So, so it's just like really cool to hear like the stories of the olden days and how things were, you know? I know. My parents don't talk like that at all. Like <laughs> <laughs> Indian Asian people, like we'll say three words like for like, like Seven. yeah, like, oh, you're doing well, you know, and, get one little story out but my my uncle talks a lot and he would talk about like annually at the chinese new year like you're 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 gonna have this huge celebration when you're in vietnam next year like for chinese year i mean asia uh, the new moon and the lunar new year yeah um they actually ate red rice yeast 
I was like, oh, wow, well, that's fermented, and there's bacteria, and you get cholesterol lower. <laughs> <laughs> that's where statins came from, you know? So <laughs> That's so cool. So, um, okay, well, we've covered, like, the seven steps. Um, so, you know, we, we, and we talked about the adrenals and how there's an adrenal gut connection. Maybe, I guess, in the time that we have left, like, how, what is your approach to that? You know, it seems like you kind of try to do them both concurrently. So, some, you know, someone's having a really hard time with healing their gut, you factor in the adrenals, right? So what are some of your favorite ways to heal the adrenals? Oh, well, people don't like this, but they have to stop. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's common adrenals. Yeah, they don't like it, I have to say. But <laughs> easy ones are just like going to bed early, you know. Mm -hmm. I'll give them a couple sedating things. German chamomile, you know. Even some methyl bees, you know, if they don't have like weird CBS variants. But, you know, half of the earth is like MTHFR. Yeah. You, you need the right – no one's eating liver left and right. No one's eating the right folates and B12. So, you know, a little methyl – uh, B vitamins, if it's appropriate for the person, I try to do nutrigenomics. You know, look at their whole two, uh, 23andMe. But you know, a, a little bit. Help, you know, B vitamins help women and our PMS, and you know, because it it helps our body uh, to feed the certain pathways to detox and you know, not have all these um, uh, you know uh, redox reactions and ROS. Um, so they feed the right pathways. They they basically help rebuild some mitochondria, actually. Um, so what I have them do is like, you know, so basic things are like sleep hygiene you know, going to bed early, you know, maybe taking a few things to help with sleep. Um, nothing's addictive. They're all herbal botanical. Sometimes looking at heart rate variability, maybe, you know, they can wear a heart math or do some, you know, alpha wave, beta wave, whatever Delta wave. Like there's a lot of different apps out there. Like one's called headspace. I heard about from Christopher. Uh, I heard that's really awesome. You know, people can just kind of plug in and learn how to, do biofeedback and relax. Kyle Kingsbury is really into that too. He's an MMA guy and he loves it. And he, he's, you know, like he's totally calm and Zen. I do whatever Zen I can, but also there's Zen in a pill. Yin <laughs> <laughs> 200, 300 milligrams, you know, one dose or a spray. Perfect. What's it called again? Theanine. It comes in green tea. So, oh, theanine. That's right. Yep. Yep. Green tea is fermented. So I don't know if the theanine is from microbial. Um, fermentation you know or if it's just green tea but you know a couple sprays or a pill whatever and then there's also called something called pharmagaba mm -hmm. it's from lactobacilli helveticus i haven't added it to my formula yet but that's like something i'm trying to evolve out but lactobacilli like they make all these calming zen compounds for us when we have them on board you know they make us giddy happy you know when they're when they're there um, but for a lot of people, it's not, or it's all like jumbled and it's not, you know, occurring correctly. So Pharmagab is awesome. There are a couple, you know, really great botanical compounds that contain it. Um, you know, but some people say they drink kombucha or they eat sauerkraut and they're giddy. Well, it's, you know, probably some of the GABA from there that comes from uh, lactobacilli uh, fermentation. So there's a lot of different, you know, I have my little pills and potions and they all work, you know. If you had to pick one favorite for adrenal health and healing, which what would it be? Oh, okay. There would be like a couple, but I love the Gaia product because I was like one of the first ones. Uh, it has like milky oats and uh, rhodiola, astro, astralis. Doesn't have licorice. You know, I don't do push a lot of licorice on people because it's just it, you know 
it can actually raise blood pressure and it's too hard to monitor. So I don't bother, you know, but, um, some people need it, you know, to kind of perk up their adrenals, but, uh, you don't want to leave it long-term cause it can raise blood pressures for people. But yeah, that's a perfect product. And I know people on it for years and they do great. Yeah. It can regrow hair, you know, it just calms things, you know, it's just, it's awesome. Maybe I'll have to switch. I've been on the um, standard process ones, and I think I've plateaued. Maybe, uh, but maybe I'm also overdoing with the stress. So <laughs> who knows, yeah, right? I know. I've been there. You burn the candle. Standard process too isn't gluten free. I know they're kind of moving that way. So you have to look at the. Uh, you know, if there's some gluten intolerance, I you know kind of look at that. Um, you know, if you've healed your gut, gluten's not going to be a problem. So I'm kind of totally into like diversifying the gut. And, you know, we gluten now, it's not a big deal. We have the soil products and bifido. They all break down gluten for us and mycotoxins and all these issues. So the key is, you know, looking at the gut, what's there and what's not there, and then replenishing. And it's, that's, a, that's a good way to go. Yeah. Um, for for uh, additional adrenal things, um, you know, considering hydrotherapy, you know, I think there's something about birth. And you know, all the things that mom provided, even the water environment, like people do really well with hydrotherapy, swimming, you know, I, I always feel my optimal when I'm swimming, even if it's only like 20 minutes, a couple times a week or once a week, you know, when I was doing my tri training and added swimming, like everything would just perk up. So there's, you know, aqua therapy or whatever. Um, people who do that, they seem to live forever. Like um, the guy from Berkshire Hathaway, I think he swims like 30 minutes every day. And then the guy in charge of like the multimedia, um, in Britain, uh, no, I can't remember his name right now. I think he swims every day too. But these are people that are going to live forever, you know, and they're in their 70s, 80s, and they're, I think their secret is swimming. <laughs> are you talking about Sir Richard Branson? No, 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 not Virgin. Um, he's the older guy well, in Hong Kong, I think. Um, oh. hmm. So yeah. I just have to get over my fear of sw- like drowning then. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. we don't want that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Water, uh, even even for chronic, so I looked at a, you know a lot of chronic fatigue uh, uh, syndrome papers, and the hydrotherapy just having them walk in water like was hugely, for some reason, healing. And maybe that's something we need. It's part of our DNA or something. I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah. You know, I learned something recently about the evolution of humans and how land animals, as their bodies got bigger, their brains got smaller. But um, because of uh, humans evolving near the water, um, we had access to, you know, the fish and the omega-3s. And so our bodies got bigger and our brains got bigger, too. So I think, I mean, there might be something there with the connection with the water and, um, and the healing properties of it. That makes sense. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. And then did you recently hear this? Like the elephants, they really rarely get cancer. Their P53 pathway is like really high, 20 times higher than other animals. Huh. Yeah, the P53. (laughs) (laughs) It's a larger land animal and their brains were so big. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Oh, there's so many cool things to learn, you know? (laughs) I know, exactly. Like can't, we can't end it. Yeah. So if you, I mean, if you could like maybe talk about the main take-home points, someone who, um, after they listen to this interview, like what are the main things you want them to gather and to take action on? What would you boil it down to? Um, Okay, so what I kind of liken our gut to is that's kind of like a Tesla or Prius. I mean, you you can't really know how your brakes are working unless it's like totally kaput, right? You have to do some kind of diagnostic. No no one's prescient and they would know how their engine's functioning or their brake system's working. 
but we need good flora. You know, the good flora, like the longum and um, Roseburia, Fecalibacterium, all these good flora that I've talked about and the good lacto, histamine degreeing lacto, they're the breaks for pathogens. You know, we're, we're just always going to be in open season. You know, what's your favorite hotel, Anne? Hmm. You know, I've actually been loving Airbnb, but I guess... Um, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> I, I like the local aspect. Like, you know, they can tell me the best places to eat and the best coffee shops. Like, I, you know, otherwise, like a Hilton or a Hyatt, they just feel like so sterile. Like, it's the same yeah. all over the world. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, that's cool. Okay, so imagine your favorite B&B, you know, it's clean, but yeah, you get all the, like, you know, funky vibe and tips and all the local goodies, Okay. Like, you, you, you know, you, you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want just like hooligans moving in with you, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but, but it would be open, you know, there's like a big vacant sign when we don't have all the guardians there, the gut guardians, um, I call them. And um, that's the name of your podcast. That makes sense now. <laughs> you use food as medicine, um, but the flora are actually our medicine too. And they're the bouncers, you know, and they're your friends who keep out pathogens, parasites, helmets. I mean, we all have, can have a little bit and it's no big deal. We'll, you know, still have really great health. Some of the best, you know, rural civilizations, they have all kinds of helmets and prozo. It's not a problem, but they also have 20 fold abundance of gut guardians you know, the, the good flora, the mater d's, you know, the local uh, B&B owners, you know, that keep out proliferation of hooligans, you know, from moving in. People like, you know, so, they, you know, they keep the riffraff and ghetto out. So, that, you know, we, we, we need them. And, you know, you're either going to shove them in, you know, with probiotics or, you know, invite them in through fermented foods and local, you know, grown basil, mint, you know, different herbals and, and vegetables, you know, and they're on our food plentifully. So there are di- different ways to replenish. So people should just think about like, you know, what ancestrally worked for their um, grandmothers and grandparents. Um, and I think that template will always, you know, be great for us. And then if not, you know, we have great tools. You know, I see great success in people no matter what background. <laughs> and I've personally been there too. I overcome like chronic fatigue and then years of Hashimoto's and being obese and lost 50 pounds and, you know, being able to do CrossFit and, you know, I'm so lucky I can do MMA and Muay Thai. You know, there's different avenues to get to good health and good optimal health and good longevity. So it just takes a, a, a little bit of tweaking and, you know, you have to open the trunk. You got to know what, what's in the engine and how the brakes are functioning. You know, people can't be blind about it. So fortunately, we have great practitioners like you and I, and you know we can we can open that up and we know how to look at it. Mm. So basically, people, yeah, to educate like people, you know, more and help them to learn more about it. Well, that's a great segue because you know you are like like this treasure trove of information. And so if someone really wants to work with you, you know, how do they get in touch with you? And then also, what are some of the projects you're working on? You've been talking about, you know, your probiotic and, um, and formulating that. So what are some new things you've got on the horizon that you're really excited oh, about? Too? There's so. So many. I, I really, <laughs> I've been so lucky to meet like just amazing, awesome, awesome people. But if people want to contact me, um, just go to my website, the gutinstitute.com. And, um, there's a contact, um, tab at the top. That's the best way to contact me to find out about the consults with me. And I have a little waiting list, but you know, we, we always try to bring people in. Um, but, uh, re- recently there's a movie called microbirth. I don't know you heard about it. It's on the ch- uh, food matters channel. You know, I used to subscribe and I let it go. I have to get it back then. Okay. Yeah, you, get it back then. you can watch the movie. Um, but Tony Harmon and her husband, um, Alex wake, wake, uh, uh, field, 
I'm no, sorry, Wake Ford. Um, they made an amazing movie about birth and they interviewed Martin Blazier and um, Dominguez Bellows, like all these like really, really big, big, you know, gut researchers. And then they have a new movie coming out and they interviewed a friend of mine and one of my clients who has um, Parkinson's um, and they're doing an amazing job, you know, uh, doing gut health uh, renewal. And they interviewed like a really, really big gut researcher um, named Jack Gilbert, who's, you know, just leading the headway, you know, for like soil and marine and ocean uh, microbiota, but as well as the human gut microbiota and hospital microbiota. So um, I'm, uh, you know, collaborating with uh, Martha and we have some like new projects coming out. It'll be really kind of cool. So, uh, uh, I was gonna say, I was like, I thought you were gonna say, oh, I'm in the documentary. I'm like, I'm yeah, totally so I, wrong. Yeah, I have a little. Like, too, I'm sure they'll probably cut it out, so that's why I don't want to say too much. But I'm just walking and I'm talking about dirt, 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 and I'm like, hug, dirt hugging. So I, I'm not sure if Tony and Alex will cut it out, but now it's in there. <laughs> we were in Colorado, and that was really fun. We stayed in the cabin, hung out with them, and um, just talked about buds. Bugs, 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 and poo. <laughs> uh, so that, that the world premiere will be in like February, March. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'll, uh, the whole family and I will fly out or not, but I, ho- I hope to. And um, I, I have some other little projects with all my favorite little probiotic companies, several. And, you know, we have some new lines like, you know, we're complaining and, and, you know, working on. So there'll be even better like things to be bionic, you know, in, in this day and age, like it doesn't, take much but because we're so damaged or we don't have enough time to do what we need to do you know you know like in in Hadza land and in Burkina Faso basically they're forging and cooking all day long and fermenting their foods all day long and we 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 live in the modern age we work we we, you know I have to take care of my kids and drive you know we don't have time so you know these tools help you know I can I can down 10 grams of fiber twice a day I'm, I'm done you know plus my my diet so there's just tools, you know. Yeah, well, we, we make do with what we've got. And then, um, you know, hopefully the supplements can help and other like biohacking strategies will help as well. Get us yeah. get us to the to the to the, the finish line. Right. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, make us look all hot like you. And, like, <laughs> oh, and you and your you're like pre- when your presenter is like, damn. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, so we want to, I, I think, you know, we have so many tools for the brain, the body, the bowels, it's, it's all getting there. And, uh, you know, we can choose high quality ones, you know, they don't have to be the supermarket Safeway one. I love Safeway, but you know, we, want, we want high quality and um, yep, they're, they're definitely available. Right. Well, I mean, you get what you pay for, for the most part. So, um. oh, yeah. Well, thanks so much for having me, Anne. I learned so much from you too, and it's been so fun. Like, I'm totally into like food, so I'm sure we could go on and for on. hours. Like, <laughs> what you know, all the benefits. Yeah, well, you know, I'm sure if you're open to it, we can have you back on the show and we'll chat some, uh, have another chat fest and about some other fun topic. So, um, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we can have a lot of topics I can think of. Yeah. Well, Grace, it's been a pleasure and um, we'll be, I'll be in touch in the future for sure. Definitely. Thank you. And you're going to be a reciprocal guest on my podcast too. Absolutely. I can't wait. I can't wait. (laughs) All right. Well, I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Take care. Thanks, Anne. Hey, so I hope you enjoyed the show. All the links and resources mentioned today are in the show notes at dranne.com spelled A-N-H as in healthy. 
And while you're there, remember to hop on the Food as Medicine VIP email list and you'll get my free gift. It's the Clean Eating Rules and it's everything that I learned about nutrition when I was on my bodybuilding journey, which happens to be contrary to many of the things I learned in school. And it's really my number one guide from my experience for how to eat to lose weight, improve your biometrics, and get more energy. You'll also get all my favorite pearls from the show. And this show can be a bit technical at times with lots of details about what foods to eat, what foods to avoid, as well as what supplements to take and in what dosages, etc. So if you're anything like me, you're probably listening to this while driving, cooking, running some errands around the house, walking the dog, etc. And you really aren't in a position to be jotting down notes of all the great information that's shared by the guest. So I've taken all the notes for you. And by hopping on my email list, you'll get all the show pearls delivered right to your inbox so you can refer back to them at any time. Finally, as a VIP email subscriber, you'll get the occasional love letters from me, which are emails sharing some of my favorite recipes and products, upcoming events, new information that I've learned, and just other goodies. So go to drann.com now and enter your name and email address. Did you like this episode? Then remember to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode and leave us a review. This will really help us with the iTunes rankings and help more people find the show. Remember to tell all your friends because we need more people to hear the food as medicine message. We've got plenty of great guests coming up, so stay tuned. Thanks so much for stopping by. And until next time, remember to eat consciously because the world needs a healthy and vibrant you. 